Gentlemen, welcome to the Beat Man Podcast. I am your host, Greg Denning. I'm the creator and coach inside the Be The Man Masterclass and Tribe. And the reason we have this podcast, the reason I have that community of men, is to help men be our very best selves all around this holistic optimization or whole life optimization. So we are the best husbands and fathers and businessmen and leaders and men that we can be, that we can be ready and prepared to help out in any and all situations, whether they're man-made problems or natural disasters or, or just life, that we're ready to be men when it's needed. So glad you're here, brother. I appreciate you. And, and if you're if you're ready to dive in, be a part of this community and give well, give back to another group of men and be a part of, of a group of men who are chasing greatness and committed to living deliberately, uh, look into it, man. Join it. We'd love to have you be a part of the part of the community. All right, today's guest is Aaron Alejandrino, and he's known on Instagram as the Fit Beard. He's a co-founder of the MDK Project with Bedros and the Apogee. He's a coach of the Apogee program, and he's just ripped, right, in fantastic shape, and all around just a genuinely great guy. And today we talk about. A lot of great things, a lot of great principles for life. Number one, getting in fantastic shape, how to just get shredded and a little the little nuggets there. Man, and, and it's usually like there's some general things we all know, but then there's some specifics and he shares some some just golden nuggets here that are super impactful and helpful. We talk about commitment and what it takes to to win. We talk about having the white belt mindset and gaining skills. We talk about his uh his guy named Pam, right? He calls him Pam, the passive aggressive man. And we walk through that and what's going on, what we're seeing uh, with men today and why, why that's happening and the effect it has on our lives. And then we talk about what it means to stay on the mat and level up and show up and, and look the part and be the man. Uh, I know you're going to love this episode, gentlemen. Let's dive in. Aaron, man, thanks for being here. I'm, I'm really excited to to talk, to learn about Pam. We see Pam mm. right there in your background. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about Pam today um, and all kinds of awesome. So why don't you start out, give, it a, give us a little bit of background, man. How'd you get to, to where you are? Yeah, man, Greg, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Aaron Alejandrino, and I am a men's lifestyle and fitness coach. I've been in the personal development fitness space for about two decades, and I've had the, the greatest opportunity in the last four years to work alongside some titans in the industry. Uh, Bedros Koulian, Ray Cashcare, uh, Steve Eckhart Marine and Matt Schneider. And we run a program called The Project. That's a distributive, the MDK Project. Um, that's a, a passion project where we help men break through their uh, their passivity really at the end of the day. And it's a brotherhood we've created. It's a 75-hour in-person immersive experience. It's nice. nasty, man. It is so nasty. I, I see these guys go through. We've done 14 classes now. And how many, how many do you do a year? Like how often is this happening? Oh man, we're doing uh, about four a year. Okay. Um, we're trying to get to the point where we can do it one every other month. So we get to six and on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's exhausting because they don't sleep. We don't sleep. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah we're <laughs> in it. 75 hours of on. 
Yes, yes, full on, man. My my nervous system is like just tapped to next level coming out of it. I always feel bad for the people around my lady experience post project mode after exactly because it is like, oh a crash. Yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah, well, it's a, a full on adrenaline, right? You're in yeah. this like hyped up state, confrontational state to uh, you know really create an impactful moment for these guys, and yeah, it's hard to turn it down. It really yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, so true. But it's uh, it's yeah. exciting. From the project, we uh, we birthed another program called the Squire Program. This is a father and son rite of passage. We do this. It's a it's a twelve hour period. We take these guys, uh, these young men, and their fathers through a bunch of challenges. They do the ice bath. They do a, um, a challenging obstacle course, and it allows them to build a closer bond. And from that program, we all do our own independent coaching. And then my coaching specifically, I work with. Uh, I call him Pam. He's the passive aggressive man. This is the guy that's passive with his hopes, his dreams, his desires, passive with women work in the world of men. And we lean into assertive discipline, directed action. So he can start getting the life he wants. And uh, we were just talking right before we got on is, you know, it really comes down to having a really clear vision. Yes. Most guys are, you know, living accidentally and they're wondering why they don't have the results they want in their life. So true. And they're just wandering around, getting blown about, Mm -hmm. hoping things work out. And we all know hope is not a strategy. Hope is a stripper's name. As my good friend Byron has said, (laughs) hope is a stripper's name. It is not a strategy for fitness, nutrition, mindset, or the life that you want. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It won't, it won't get you the results you're, you're after. Uh, We'll we'll dive in deeper to that. So like, what were you doing? Just, I'm curious, what were you doing before all this? What were you doing last, you know, before you got into the project and the coaching and all that stuff? Great question, man. I was in fitness and coaching. So I owned a gym in Scottsdale about four years ago. I ran that for about four years. Uh, Brick and mortar location. It was an MMA gym. We did jujitsu, Muay Thai, kickboxing, boxing, and uh, fitness training. It was awesome. It was my playground. I I love to go back and have a gym again. Uh, That was one of my biggest entrepreneurial ventures. We had a it, it was it was killer. It was killer. But I learned everything not to do in running a business, yes. running that business. And, <laughs> Plus, uh, that's how you have to start, right? Uh-huh, you get in yeah. and figure out what not to do before you figure yeah. out what to do. Oh, I yeah. love it. Yeah. And then after that, um, and before that, I was personal training, group fitness coaching, some form of fitness for about the last 15 years. Sweet. And um, after closing the gym, I was really looking around for mentoring and leadership. And I knew that the, this next chapter of life, I had to um, surround myself with a badass, someone that could be a mentor and guide me. And so um, I had an opportunity to, to launch a supplement company with uh, Bedros Koulian. And this guy is just, if you guys don't know who he is, he's a gangster in the space, you know, growing and building businesses. So he hired me, flew me out from uh, Arizona and California to launch a supplement company. And um, that was going to be my day job. And then with a couple months of us uh, just working on this new business and we developed a friendship, we were in the gym working out. And um, for some reason, I always take conversations really deep. And so we might go deep on this conversation. Good. I hope you don't mind that. But we were in the gym working out. And um, I said, you know, the reason I was willing to leave Arizona, come out here is not necessarily for the opportunity business, but it's because you shared something publicly on stage that really inspired me. Um, and I wanted to be around that. And yes. he shared that he, um, he was molested when he was, was a young man. And I said, you know, that, that's, that's a tough thing for guys to talk about, but the same thing happened to me. And, uh, you know, I wanted to, I want to learn how to turn that suffering into a superpower. And that conversation in the gym turned into, if you've done this level of personal development, and I've done this level of personal development, 
And we can now talk about the worst thing that ever happened to us and has been a catalyst for positive change. Yes. How do we help other men do that? And that first conversation was was literally the start of the project. Sort of like, well, it's we gotta have we gotta create a format where guys feel comfortable and safe to talk about their pain, their trauma, their triggers, you know, all the shit that happens to us that we no one ever wants to talk about. We stick in a box. And so we started to map this out and then the right people were already in his ecosystem, a Navy SEAL, a Marine, a SWAT operator all came together. We realized every one of us had a fucked up upbringing, but we've done something with it and we're able to take these experiences and turn this suffering into a superpower. And the project was born. And within a few months after that, we did class one. And uh, so we've done now 14 class. We got class 15 coming up next month. And it's we we had no idea how much it would become this fulfilling life mission. Um, since then, I've left the supplement company. We've got he's got another leader in charge there. Uh, but I was like, I want to go all in on this uh, men's personal development thing. And so we launched a fitness program for men. We launched the father and son thing. I've got my own coaching, but it's all focused on on helping men. Yes, I love it. Oh, yeah. I love it. There's there's so much in there. I want to circle back to. Let's let's go into this. Um, bringing up the pain, processing mm. it, and then turning suffering into superpower. I, I think one of the things, cause I had a, I had a rough go to early on, right. Um, ended up out on my own at 16, just trying to figure things out. And it was tough. And and I think one of the things that that was a key ingredient, cause I, I'm with you guys, like I can look back now and I can share my story and say like, I'm actually like that thing gave me power, right? yes. it, yeah. but, but, but for some, it like takes away their power. Mm-hmm. And, and I get it. Like, it's so hard. It is suffering. It is pain. Yeah. But at some point, if I, again, this is just my, my perspective here. I think we have to see the benefit, see how yes. we can be better because of it. And we have we to start reframe to, it. Yes. We yeah. reframe it to say, Hey, this is something that can make me better. Mm-hmm. That's when we get power back. Absolutely. And, absolutely. and it's the only time we get power back because we can't change the past, but we can change our perspective around the past and realize yeah. that was given to me. And I believe that all of our misery ends up becoming our ministry if we can truly, truly yes. leverage that, leverage our own perspective and turn it into something where it's not suffering, it's now service. How can I take exactly. this thing that happened to me and share it with somebody else? Because it's not for you, it's for everybody else. And yep. so the more that I talk about, the more the Bedros has talked about and Ray and Steve and Matt, we've talked about our pain, the more people in the audience are like, Oh my God, that happened to me, or something similar happened to me. And and the truth of the matter is, you know, statistically, one in four people have been molested. Two out of three people have experienced physical, mental, or emotional abuse. We know 50% of families have gone through divorce. That means 100% of us are fucked up. Like, and that's the truth. Everybody's got something. Yep. And and the sooner, this is what I I like to say. And you, you said it the same way, like, you can't change the past, but you can, at any point when you choose, you can change the way you see the past. Yes. And I've yes. gotten to this place now where I can look back and, and with sincerity be like, you know, that was horrible. Like mm. it was so hard, but I'm actually glad I went through it Bless. because yeah. it was a catalyst for growth mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Like it, it made me hungry. Truth. I, I got yeah. this desperation. Like I will find answers to becoming a whole man. Yes. Where, you know, you wonder, had I not had that, would I, would I maybe not had the hunger, maybe just kind of floating around like, like a lot of guys you talk about, the passive dudes, like yeah. things that we're supposed to, that are the most meaningful things. We're, we're kind of passive about that. And then we're super passionate about things that don't matter. Yes. Right? Truth. Truth. Yeah. We're, Cause we're all trying to find meaning, right? We're all trying to find meaning. I believe that uh, God put this meaning size hole inside the middle of, of our bodies and hearts. And, 
and we searched and we'll we'll make more money we'll you know get a bigger house a faster car uh we'll pursue more women but it doesn't fill this empty void that we've got inside until we really uncover our purpose and i believe our purpose our purpose you know god's got that thumbprint on our purpose and the purpose is only really un uncovered from our pain what makes us passionate and that area of play that comes together. Those three P's triangulate into the purpose, Beautiful. but we got to go, we got to go into the pain first, right? We got to go into that thing that we're afraid to go to. And most guys, they're like, ah, man, I want to avoid this. I'm going to stick in a box. I hope I never have to talk about my feelings ever. Mm -hmm. And I think it's never going to cause an issue, but they wonder why, why does addiction through the roost? Why do they have all these vices? Why are they constantly distracted? It's because they're not yep. going deep into the work they really need to do. Yep, exactly. So the pain trying to yeah hide it in some distant corner of the of the heart or soul it mm. stays there and it festers and it becomes Answer. a super preventative like limiter uh inside of us you're absolutely right so man why do you why are you because you get to work with guys all the time as mm. i do why do you think they're avoiding the pain mm. why not face it Oh man, that's an age old question. Um, why not face the pain? Well, it's uncomfortable. Um, I think that it's uncomfortable. And as men, we're not equipped with the tools. Um, when I think about all the emotional vocabulary that I had for the longest time, it was irritation, frustration, and anger. Those are the only emotions I knew. Yeah. I was either irritated or like I was low level. I could deal with that. I was frustrated, which I would deal with, or I was angry. And that would go into maybe rage or like yeah. something else. But it was, it was, that was the spectrum because I never saw modeled anything else. Yeah. I, my, my father figures, my, my dad is a deadbeat. Uh, my second father figure was a drug addict, died at the needle in his arm. Third father figure was, uh, had another family on the other side of the country, like just complete lie through the marriage that was with my mom. And I don't blame any of them, but at the end, they didn't model what it meant to have a healthy exactly. emotional range. Yep. And so for the longest time, I just pointed the finger. I just pointed the finger. I was like, well, if everyone else is like that and I can't trust them, I can't trust myself. And I guess I just have to be angry, frustrated, irritated, and full of rage. And so when we talk about what is really necessary to go into that pit where the pain lives, you have to have empathy and compassion, and you have to be willing to feel grief and sadness and sorrow and all the other emotions that come with working through trauma. And that's new. And most guys don't like to do things that are uncomfortable or new. And so they avoid that. They avoid that. Anytime the feelings come up, they sedate, castrate. And the next thing they know, 20, 30 years have gone by and they've either burned their business down to the, the ground. They burn their body down to the ground. And next thing the, they're facing. The marriage, they, the parenting, yes. the relationships, yes. they all get the anger and the frustration and the irritation. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it 100%. all, it all plays out, man. Yeah. And so, well, you're right. And I love that. I love that you're emphasizing here. Like you have to go in and feel it all. It's not, it's not Ooh. numbing. It's not avoiding. It's not mm. being Mr. Tough guy. I don't feel anything. It's yeah. feeling it, man. Yeah. And that, and that's, you know, when we talk about our feelings as men, you know, that is one area that I think makes so many guys uncomfortable. And that's why we don't lead with that. When we talk about the marketing for the project or Squire, you know, they see the Navy SEAL, they see the gun, they see uh, all the cool guy, guy stuff, right? It's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be tough. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do some dude stuff and develop a brotherhood. And like, that's necessary. Like we need that confrontation conflict and we need that as men, but the heart of really what we do, it brings them to a conversation that we have um, where they're able to get the worst thing off their chest and talk about it and then share it in a room. And a lot of these guys, it's the first time they share it. And just in doing that, they're like, oh my God, 
this thing that I was afraid to talk about my entire life that has all this shame and guilt and, and fear around. Now that I share it inside of a space where I've created this relationship with other guys, yep. it's not so bad. Yep. And then yep. they get, as soon as they articulate it, they got to change the story behind it. And we got to guide them through, okay, now that horrible thing happened. I'm sorry for you. I, I, I'm, I'm there for you as a friend and a brother, but that was a gift so that you can use that to be a yeah. hero for somebody else. Yep. Amen. That's so powerful. Yeah. And there's some cool, there's cool pieces of the formula and the recipe there. And one of them is doing really hard things mm-hmm. uh, in, in a, like a brotherhood. Like yeah. just, just facing those physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social challenges yes. that yes. It, it kind of unlocks something and gives you that space uh, where then you're like, okay, I, I can bring this up and I can, let's, let's address it. Yep. Yeah. Wow, it, it's such an important part of transformation. hundred percent. Like we, as we, we as men, we know that we don't want to deal with something until the conflict is so big. And so we need conflict, confrontation. We need the competition of healthy men. We need that community so that we really feel feel and build the trust. And that gives us the courage to make changes. Like, yeah. so the whole formula is there, but like, we got to get into the ring first and have that first hit. And sometimes that first hit is the world. It's the bankruptcy. It's the diabetes. It's the divorce. It's something that catches the guy's attention, but whatever it is, you have to manufacture that hard thing. And that's what the project does. That's what the Squire program does. That's what the coaching does. And you know this, that's what fitness does. Yep. Fitness manufactures the hard thing. So that you realize that I'm built for so much more. I got more gas in the tank. I'm good. I can handle this. And I can now, I have the courage to face that demon that I've been avoiding, that dragon bitch slap that motherfucker. And excuse my language. Well, Uh, and and no, but you're, yeah, you're, you're intentionally. And again, like life will do it to you if you don't, I found. But if you're choosing challenge and well, I, like I call, it, I like to call it microdosing and macrodosing. So microdosing is the exercise. It's it's, it's today yeah. in the gym when you don't feel like doing it, you push mm-hmm. hard. That's a microdose. Mm-hmm. A macrodose yep. is like you know, forget this. Like I'm gonna go jump out of an airplane somewhere yeah. in some foreign country and like do big pattern interrupt, big challenge, yes. go climb a huge mountain. Right? Mm-hmm. I love big big mountains. When you're trying to break nineteen thousand feet and you just feel like crap you just feel like dying and taking baby steps you're just nauseated your vertigo man you find out what you're made of right yeah it's a challenge you choose but you're right and then 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 you get that strength so you're like, where's the dragon where's uh-huh. the monster like let's yes. go yes and, and yes. let's let's tackle this stuff oh yeah. i love it yeah um, Fire let's, it up. Um, let's um let's shift to because because you mentioned it let's go into fitness next um okay. And, and again, this is a huge industry, a huge world. There's tons out there, but maybe a couple of things you've, you've learned just about getting just, just shredded, man, getting mm. lean, ripped, getting that last little bit. Cause I know there's guys, you know, they'll go out there, lift weights. So they'll do their cardio, they'll eat well and stuff, but how do you get that last little bit of. Yeah. Well, ripped? you got to want it first off, like anything else, you got to want it. And, and I tell all the guys, and I almost try to deter people from it. Having a six pack and maintaining a six pack, it's not easy. It's not easy. Like you got to actually want it. And the reason I wanted it is I wanted to feel confident about the decisions I made yesterday. So when I take off my shirt and I look in the mirror, I see somebody that even though he wants to eat like an asshole and there was a period of time where I could eat like, like that and, and just crush the calories. And I was like, I'm just going to run and work it off. I know that the, the long-term foundation of what I'm looking at in the mirror is because I made good decisions yesterday. So it's a good reminder. It's a good reminder. So first because you got life, you life is lived on a lag. 
right? It's yes. the decisions we made yesterday, a few days ago that show yeah. up in your body or show up in your life. So you're exactly or your bank right. account, hundred percent. Yes. 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 Oh. Yeah. And so you see the results and you realize this is from what I did yesterday when I didn't feel like doing it or last week and same thing in your relationship, right? You know, so the positivity, the benefits you're seeing is all because of the deposits made yesterday. And so I wanted it. I wanted that. I wanted to be able to wake up in the morning and look in the mirror because for a long time, I didn't. I didn't like who I was. I was the 130-pound soaking wet skinny guy. And so I was like, you know what? My first transformation, I want to put on size. And so I went down that route. And I got from 135 to 215. And I did like the bodybuilder bulk. You went to 215? Yeah, bro. It was, uh, <laughs> and it, 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 it was a, there was one phase when it was like, it was cool. And then, uh, and then I took it down and then I got into a, a darker phase where I went from fit beard to fat beard. And then the 215 went to like a 205, very sloshy and sloppy. And so I've done, I've done the skinny to fat to fit to fit and all of it. So I've been oh in all God. spectrum. That's a huge range, man. Uh-huh. That's what, 80 pounds. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. Oh my gosh. Where are you at now? 175. 175. 170, yeah. 175. Yeah. Eight and a half, nine percent body fat year round. Uh, I'm comfortable there. I like it there. I can manage my calories there. I can still enjoy life there. Yeah. Um, I actually had pizza last night. I had a, a cornmeal pizza. It was awesome. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not at the normal, but um, yeah, I think what pushes you over the edge is you got to make a commitment at a certain time. And so when I first did the jump from 135 and I wanted to pack on the size, I hired a bodybuilding coach. I said, I don't know anything in this area. So I need a mentor and I need accountability. I'm going to pay for the investment. I'm going to prepay in advance because these are the results that I want. I'm going to have you hold me accountable. And I, I did the white belt mindset, which I've been as a white belt so many times in my life. I said, just tell me what to do. I want to pretend I know nothing. And so for 18 months, we hit the weights. I tracked my macros for 12 months straight. I weighed everything that went in my mouth. I tracked everything that went in my body. And for 12 months, I was disciplined. That I brought my food scale ever. I go out to eat, put the protein on the scale, weighed it out, and followed the program for 12 months. And then I, I got these skills by learning from a mentor and yes. then was able to apply it and mold it into my lifestyle. And so I think that you know what gets you there is get accountability, pay for the results you want because we pay attention to what we pay for. I think the reason why so many guys struggle with burning fat, building muscle is they follow someone's YouTube plan or a $19 cookie cutter program, or they're not really that committed. I think pay for it. And you're like, you know what? Now I have one other social pressure to do it. Yep. Then it was the matter of, I'm going to do this. I'm going to tell people that I'm going to do this. And I started posting it. It's crazy. As soon as I started posting it on social media, people were encouraging me, but then now I had extra layer of social accountability. Nice. So I think that's one area that guys also need to leverage and lean into. If you want to get ripped and shredded, set up photo shoot six yep. months down the road, tell all your friends, your family, your followers and say, if yes. I don't make this happen, then I'm going to donate to charity. You can, I'll be your slave for a week. Like put yep. some pressure on yep. yourself. Get a lot more skin in the game. Yeah. Which, oh, you did that just three things right away is like one, put some money on the table Two, mm -hmm. get a coach you're accountable to and three, get social accountability. I mean, yeah. and then you can go on and on from that. Right. And yep. leveraging it. Yeah. So, yeah. so give us, give us some of the, I mean, cause I've, I've read tons of stuff. I've done all that. Like ultimately what has worked best for you to maintain that mm. body fat percentage and just kind of stay, stay in a good spot. I, honestly, right now, my biggest cheat code for staying fit, because we know the abs are made in the kitchen. 
uh, I'm dating a nutritionist. <laughs> but that, that, is, that is the biggest nice. hack. That is, yeah. I thought I ate relatively well. And so uh, Rachel moved in. Uh, Rachel shares she's got a functional nutrition practice and uh, she's not wired like me. She can have a piece of chocolate from a chocolate bar. And then that the rest of the chocolate bar will last in the fridge for weeks. I'm thinking the whole time is like, there's still another. Yeah. I got to get some more chocolate. I got to get the chocolate bar. So she she has been teaching me how to better moderate my food and to manage, uh, you know, that side of it. But because abs really are made in the kitchen, you know, body fat is is managed in the kitchen prior to her and that dynamic of the relationship and having that extra accountability at home. Again, it's so much easier when your person's on board with you. It was tracking my food. Tracking my food was, was the biggest needle mover to realizing how much I was eating subconsciously. So every time I ate, I had to put it in my app and my fitness pal is a free app for anyone that's listening or watching. Nice. That game changer. And, and then so was it, was it more focused on limiting calories or percentages of proteins, carbohydrates? Like give us an idea of what you're eating. Yeah. So right now in this season where I'm in, I do really well with high protein, high fat. And so the most part I I'm under hundred grams of carbohydrates and I have those typically at the end of the day, unless it's a high carb day or I've got a big run. Uh, for the most part, I go high protein, high fat. I'll have my first meal around 11 o'clock. Uh, it's looking like six whole eggs over easy and then some protein source, a um, little butter in my coffee in the morning. Afternoon meal is going to look like something like that, maybe some arugula, some protein, some fat. And in the evening, I'm having a carbohydrate with my protein. So three meals a day, maybe one snack, nice. one protein shake. Um, and that just does well for me because I notice as soon as I start deviating from that, my performance is down and I paid enough attention to how my performance, not only from the physical side, but from a conversation standpoint, you know, we've all had that afternoon fog from too many carbs or like we're exhausted and fatigued carbohydrates as much as they build muscle, they make your brain not function as well. You know, we wonder why we're exhausted on Thanksgiving from overeating, over consuming. It's the excess amount of food where our body's trying to break it down. So I really like to limit my food during the period when I'm doing the most amount of work. So high output days, I got podcasts, conversations, client calls. I'm typically doing relatively fasted or protein fats only. And I don't introduce carbs until the end of the day. Beautiful. And the fats, man, the fats matter so much. What's your, what's your favorite protein source? Steak. Yeah, me too, bro. Steak. Yeah, red meat. We just had some today to celebrate my daughter's birthday. I'm like, breakfast, steaks and eggs, baby. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. I love it, man. That's awesome. And then, um, like, I know you, you're lifting weights, you're doing all kinds of stuff. Do you, do you do a lot of cardio as well? Do you like that? Or you're just, I do, I do. I fell in love with, uh, with running about three years ago. So I ran my first marathon, uh, Bedros inspired me. He's, he's a big 250 pound gorilla. And he's like, I ran a marathon in six weeks. I was like, no fucking way. If he can run a marathon, I can run a marathon. 250. He's a big dude. Yeah. And I was like, I've always wanted to, uh, I've, I've always hated running actually, but I've always wanted to be able to run a marathon. So I trained for one. I ran one New Year's Day, 2020. And I, I fell in love with the process. And so I hit 15, 20 miles a week That's um, with the dog. It also keeps the dog in a, yep. a better state. I got a, a full-size German Shepherd, so he nice. needs the exercise. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I do that from a cardio side and then weights, I'm hitting probably two or three really heavy lift sessions. And then I call them micro workouts. Um, I like to do 20 minute pumps twice a day. Like that's ideal workout day for me, not over exhausting the nervous system and um, not breaking the body down too much, but getting enough of a testosterone pump, a blood pump 
where I can get back into the work day and I feel, I feel good. Dude, that's awesome. And like a full body thing is some kettlebells mm-hmm. or stuff or like a specific muscle group. Full body, full body. Yeah. Something full body squat thrusters, yeah. uh, jump squats, maybe a couple sprints up and down, but full body, full dynamic, always a little bit of bicep because you got to throw them yeah. in there as a dude. <laughs> and yeah. 20 minutes, just crank it up and then get uh-huh. back into it. So it just, yep. it's an energy pump. hundred percent, hundred percent. Midday. I love yeah. that, Aaron. I love that, man. That's a cool thing. And then again, it's time, right? So we're all busy. We got businesses going. We got we have families. We got all these things to do. But you throw that in there, you can, you can make that fit. 100%. Yeah. And people are always saying, I don't, man, I don't have time to work out. And it's like, you, you don't not have time to work out, yeah, exactly. you know, because the clarity, the energy, the boost in testosterone, the confidence, you know, as any high performer out there, if you take pride in your business, the thing that you do, your physicality is your philosophy. So you want to do better in your business, then you better make your body ripped. And it's your billboard, man. True. Yeah. 100%. So powerful. Oh, that's good. Thanks, brother. Love that. Um, yeah. Let's switch to Pam. Tell us about Pam. Ah, I love it. So I was at um, this high performance summit that uh, uh, Bedros Koulian and another mentor, Wes Watson, were putting on uh, a couple months ago. And I was sitting in the audience and, and something clicked. And I've heard this before a dozen times. In fact, we talked about it on this call. Your pain is what you need to guide people through. And I was sitting there as a like, man, I've, I've guided people through, you know, the, the ability to be able to converse and talk about their problems, their trauma, you know, being raised by a single mom and abusive father figures. And I was like, but there's got to be something else. And I, I was just sitting there. I was like, what is the one thing that I've done the most of um, in the last four years that has created the most positive results? And I was like, I've taken action, you know, taken action. I was like, what's well, the opposite of taking action? The passive. I was like, man, have I ever been passive? I was like, God, I can't even tell you how many times I've been passive. So many areas in life have been passive, passive with approaching a woman, passive with really what I want and needs. And it just blew into like this little idea. Um, I don't know how to describe it. There's an idea brainstorm that happened right in the middle of the audience. I like to say there was a divine intervention. Beautiful. And uh, then the acronym of PAM came up. PAM, I was like, God, that is a horrible name. Pam, this, this is Pam. It's perfect though, man. Uh-huh. It's, it's like so this good. Demasculated. Dude. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is yeah. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Pam is the passive aggressive man and he is passive with everything you want. Man, it, it brought me back to this image that I had during my fraternity days and in college. I was 20 something drinking and partying. And I had, I had this creepy um, handlebar mustache and these chops. And I just had this picture of sunglasses on. I was so faded. I had a, a handle of Jim Beam in my uh, my board shorts. And there's just, just like a flabby gut. And I was like, oh, my God, that was Pam. And I remember two girls that I was interested in at the time, but I didn't have the balls to actually ask them out. And so I was like friend zoning both of them. And this is like the gray zone. This is the horrible spot for men to be in where he's got a desire for someone but he doesn't know how to actually approach and be intentional. And so he's like, you know what? I'm going to beg for scraps. I'm going to be okay with your scraps. I'm just going to be your friend, listen to your feelings and emotions and, and maybe walk your dog, check your mail, all that stuff. But I'm never actually going to be assertive. And I had these two girls I was interested in. They both had friend zone me. And I was like, Pam, fuck, Pam. I never want to go back to that place. I was like, I know I'm not alone because I've coached so many guys out of that, this form of passivity to start expressing their needs. And so, yeah, that was a download. It wasn't that long ago. And I just started talking about it on social media and it was a, a um, shocking number of men that raised their hand and reached out and said, I identify, I identify as Pam and I want to break through, break out and rebuild. And so just, it's been taking again, my suffering, my story and sharing with those and walking through the process and the process of breaking through the Pam problem. Pam's passive with everything is action, but action without a vision or a plan 
is dangerous. Yeah. And so, so many guys are like, yeah, I'm just going to start taking action. So if we take action by a very clear vision, the vision is a blueprint. And I did this exercise about seven years ago. I hired a coach and he's like, what do you want? And I was like, ah, I want this, this, and this. He's like, well, how much by when, what does it look like? What does it taste like? What does it smell like? And he had me do this exercise where I wrote out my vision and it was future pace five years down the road. And it took a lot. It took a lot to me to actually think that far. Cause I didn't believe it was possible, but he worked with me and coached me and says, all right, from there, we're going to derive your values. We're going to create your non-negotiables, morning routine, daily action plan. And that exercise was pivotal because now when I wake up in the morning before my alarm clock in highly energized state, I spend my day in creative collaboration with men on a mission to change the world. That vision came to life and it was written almost a decade ago. I so love that. Whoa, that's where we are now. Um, man, I want to, what, something you said there just, just clicked so well. It's, it's like they, they want, they have a desire for someone or something but they're willing to take the scraps. They're willing to mm. settle for less. They're willing to acquiesce. It could be, it could be wealth. It could be a desire to be just an absolute master in your craft. Yes. Uh, it yes. could be to be like super fit or mm -hmm. just have a, an extraordinary marriage or, or a great relationship with mm -hmm. your kids or mm -hmm. impact in the world. And, and we approach it. And I think you're spot on with this. We approach it, but stop short of it yes. and say, yes. man, it's almost a good enough attitude, right? Yes. Or, or waiting or wait, or we're waiting for the right opportunity rather than creating it. And I, I like to use this analogy. I don't know what your, uh, your religious or spiritual background is, but most people have heard the story of uh, Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. right? most Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. So God created man and from man, he created woman. And in the beginning, in the beginning, there was this garden of Eden where everything was perfect. Everything is perfect. And God was like, you can have whatever you want. You got dominion over all the animals, all the earth. And I've given you this beautiful garden. There's only one thing that you should not do to be in obedience with me. And that is to not eat from this tree. The tree had apples on it. And every story has got a good guy and a bad guy. And the bad guy in the story is the slippery snake. And so he tempts Eve with the forbidden fruit. And says, Eve, you should just take a bite of this apple, right? And so as the story goes, Eve takes a bite of the apple. But you got to wonder, because there's no other women around, what the fuck was Adam doing? He was standing passively by, not taking action, not speaking up, not stepping up, not standing out, not slapping that apple out of Eve's hand and saying, hey, listen, we have perfection. How many times in life have men sat there and stood on the sidelines waiting for somebody else to do the job they should be doing? And that's, and that's it. So many guys will point the figure and say, you know what? Here's what's wrong with the world. Here's what's wrong with our politicians. Here's what's wrong with our government. Here's what's wrong with you. But rather than actually doing the active, assertive, disciplined, dedicated thing, like stepping out, standing up and showing up, they stand passively by. So it's hardwired in our biology, I believe, to be passive. It's the high value man that says, you know what? I'm sick and tired of seeing the world around me, the beautiful garden that there is, all the possibility just turn into hell. And I'm going to do something about it. I'm just sitting here watching. You're, you're, man, you're so right. That's, that's a, another element of passivity where you're just watching your own life. It's like you're, you're, in, you're in the bleachers and you're letting it happen, like, and complaining about it. Yes. <laughs> oh, this, oh, this is terrible. This sucks. Uh -huh. You're like, dude, what are you doing about it? Yes. I, I think because, I don't know, we tell ourselves stories. We feel like we don't have as power. much power. Yeah, as we really do, and, and I remember, I remember experiencing that. Maybe you did too. Oh, I, just, yeah. I remember being that spot of you know victimhood where I was like, dude, is 
yeah, what, what, what can I do? You know, this, this situation sucks. The, the economy, whatever, you know, I'm, these I'm, are the cards that I've been dealt. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 100%. But the overcoming that passivity is to, to get into that real, well, it's ownership mm-hmm. and it's action. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, and, and even back up before that, it's, it's knowing the direction you're moving in. It's a clear vision. You know, your yes. post today was you know, spot on. You got to have a direction you're moving. You have the clarity of your vision. You know, what does the next two years look like for you? What do you really want? And what are you willing to do? What kind of work are you willing to dive into? Who are you willing to become? And how are you willing to stretch? So as an example of this, I, um, I've been leaning into stretches for now the last seven years because I want to develop this ideal of who I know I need to become for this life that I want down the road. I want a great life. I want it all. I want the woman and the work and the respect from both men. So I have to be able to build new skills. This About three Saturdays ago, I stood on stage in front of 80 people and delivered a 20-minute comedy set. And it was my first time what? doing, st- yeah, stand-up what? comedy. What? Yeah, it was, dude. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was a stretch, man. It was stressful as hell. I, I, there was moments where I was like, I'm going to freeze. I'm going to forget it. All the toxic thought comes up. I'm not good enough. Yeah. People are not going to think I'm funny. But that stretch proves to me, A, that I can do anything I set my mind to first and foremost. But it also adds to the skills for the vision that I want. Right. I have a vision of inspiring other men that they can do anything they want. So I have to lead first. I have to do things that are scary and terrifying. Running a marathon. Out of the comfort zone, man. I can't think yeah. of either that or singing on stage, bro. Oh. Just, whoa. Oh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Just get uncomfortable and choose uh-huh. the challenge. Like get in front of it. I love that, man. 100 percent Yeah. That I won't, awesome. I won't, I won't ever subjugate anyone to singing on stage. That might uh, that might cause a lot more trauma out there in the world than <laughs> than actually uh, serving. Um one one thought I had while you were talking about the vision. I wonder how often passivity is a symptom mm. of a lack of clarity mm. because we haven't done the mental work and the soul work to decide exactly where we want to go. Mm. So therefore we don't take deliberate action. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a, it's, it's a vicious along. loop, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like the chicken and egg, which comes first, the lack of vision or the lack or the excess of passivity. Yeah. And you can't have, I mean, they coexist. They really do coexist. Because once you've got a vision and you know the things you should be doing and you choose not to, you're just ignoring it. Like, it's your fault you're in the situation you're in. Yeah, you got to own that. Mm -hmm. So before the recording, you and I were talking um, just about kind of the state of the world. There's in the state of the country and and the economy. We're we're in a social and economic winter and and things are chaotic Mm -hmm. and crazy. And one thing, let's talk about this for a second. It's like, how how do we stay in a good headspace and stay, you know, active, involved and I guess active, right. Instead of becoming passive, like, Oh, the world's falling apart. Everything's going to hell. Like, Oh, there's no hope. Like, what do you, what do you think? Let's, let's have a little conversation about that. Cause it's been on my mind a lot lately. People see the, the, the clouds in the distance. They see, mm-hmm. you know, the news are talking about, you know, all this trouble. And I think, I think a lot of men, well, like it says in the Bible, their hearts will fail them. Mm. I, I think they're going to, it's going to be hard for a lot of people. Yeah. And yet we have to, have to stay in the game yeah. mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially, financially, physically, physically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, um, 
I don't know that I have the full answer for it. All I, I, th this just came to me is um, I, I, there was a season when I was, I was practicing yoga quite a bit. I remember a yoga instructor saying, stay on your mat, stay on your mat, stay on your mat. And that was almost like the mantra, like stay on your mat. Yeah. And what, and what the instructor was, was saying by that is don't worry about whatever, whatever else is doing around the room, perfect your form on your mat. And when you stay on your mat and you make your frame, your body, your build the best that you can, not only from a physical standpoint, but remember again, as men, our physicality is our philosophy. So if we want to talk about honor and respect and loyalty and perseverance and strength. We have to show up. We got to look that part. And so staying on your mat for me means before we can point the finger anywhere else, we got to do that deep dive and look at ourselves. How are we representing the values that we think that we want the rest of the world to have? Yeah. And so I think that's the first fight. That's the first battle. That's the first area we got to focus on is our spiritual, mental, physical, financial strength and be the best examples of it at our house first, at our home first. You know, good calibration point. I have all the guys I coach with. I say, you know, if you're unsure of where your weaknesses are, ask your family. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Ask, ask your wife and your kids where yeah. they, you could show up more. And Humbly, like, keep your mouth out. shut and just yeah. listen. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I don't want to go into there. And then it's like, okay, cool. After you after you tackle that and you've received the truth of how you're showing up in the world, now go to your employees and your team and ask them how you show up. Most men are avoid that conflict and that Absolutely. feedback. And they wonder why they don't have the results they want. Yeah. And if, you'll, if you're willing to look in the mirror that, other people will hold up for you and then do something about it to game changer. Mm. And I, I really like what you're saying, Aaron, about, and that, that I love the idea of staying on the mat, right? It's like you, you do you. Um, one thing I, I like to think about is like, we don't have to worry so much about the economy as we do about our economy. Yes. You, you take That's care good. of your economy uh -huh. and, and let the economy do its thing. And, and yes. you know, we often get worried about what's happening in the world well, you take care of your world. Mm. You were just saying that, you know, you take care of you at, at home and you make sure your marriage and your family and your house and, and your business is in tip top condition. Your body is mm -hmm. in tip top condition. And then mm -hmm. it, if nothing else, you'll be that much more prepared for yeah. whatever happens to come along. Yeah. And you have a clear lens to hold everyone else accountable to. And I think the problem that we're really facing is that we're pointing the finger outward, looking for someone else to come up with a better plan than our own. Yeah. And unless you are modeling what you want to have, how can you ever expect for it to be right? And it just creates, it creates this perpetual cycle of criticism and judgment and blame and frustration because we're choosing not to do the most active thing, which is to master our own lives. Exactly. Well, I think I might know your answer here, but, what would you say is the, if you were to prioritize it and start mastering your own life, right? Getting things in mm. order, where would you say men should start? Oh man. I think you think I'm going to say fitness. I, I, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he's going he's gonna to say the body, but okay. So surprise yeah. me. What, what yeah. would you say first? Honestly, brother, I think it's faith. I think faith, faith nice. is first. Faith is yes. first. Um, I think so many guys are looking for the gurus and the guides and the teachers and the next plan and the next mentor and all that. And that's a great place to start. Um, but you need to learn to trust the voice inside first. And the only way that we do that is building a relationship with, with our higher power as we know him. Yep. You know, whatever your spiritual practice is, 
whatever you want to start beginning that with, like he's listening, he's listening and he will speak to you through whatever modality religion or practice suits you at your time and your journey, but build that foundation of faith first, then fitness. Fitness is the next fitness is you got to build your temple. You got to build your body. We got four F bombs inside the project, but it begins with faith, then fitness, then family. Family is the people closest to you. You build them up. You lead, you lead them as you should. You get the feedback from them. And the very last one is your finances. Finances are a result. They are the lagging measure that comes very last after you follow the formula, faith, fitness, family, finances. Beautiful. But faith, the downloads from the higher power, man, that's going to be your true north. That's going to be the voice you listen to when there's chaos and confusion. You don't, don't know where to go. So many guys are looking and lost because they don't have this one relationship. Agreed. And yeah, yeah. it's where you get, we're all spiritual beings. Yes. And and yeah. for so many of us, the spirit has been neglected and atrophied, so to speak. Mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. to get that relationship with God. And again, starting from the inside out. And yeah. Soul work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the thing, one of the things I have for, for our, our thing is called the triple trifecta. Um, oh, I love that. And it's just got, it's got the triple triangle, like interlocking, mm -hmm. like for men. But the first one is mind, body, and spirit. Mm. And, and those have to be addressed. And I think addressed daily. Yes. You do something to address your mind. You do something to address your body. You do something to address your spirit. And, and you get that centered inside and out, man. Then, yeah. then, and, and hopefully, ideally, you can do that before anybody else wakes up, man. Yep. You can be ready and full 100%. so that you have something to give. 100%, man. I, I tell you, I, I fight for my morning routine every morning. To have that few minutes uh dedicated devotion and solitude to get the the downloads set the intention for the day because the days that i don't that's the days when i'm most subject to the ego most subject to someone else's environment and someone else's idea of how i should show up but you got to get that time in the morning that morning routine first and foremost game changer so true hey yeah. while we're on that give us a couple more things that are working for you man habits patterns routines rituals what are, what are a couple of things you mm. got going on that that just are working for you um i think the biggest thing that's working for me in this season right now man is uh is service uh i, I can't think about anything else that is far more impactful um i'm finding that every time i hop on a call like this a conversation like this a coaching call a group call uh, and I get to be of service to other people along the journey. That is the biggest shortcut to feeling good. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm almost like addicted to it because yeah. it's the only time when I actually feel really good about me. And, um, I, you know, you, you try to, we try to feel good all the time. Like that is what we're, we're pleasure seeking creatures as humans. And this is the area where I've been getting the most amount of fulfillment. Um, and so my, my days are pretty packed schedules with just trying to find an opportunity to find solace that's serving. And I tell all my clients too, it says, you know, whether or not you believe that you are a coach, whether or not you believe that you want to ever be in a space of mentoring and guiding someone else, you got to realize that everything you're suffering through right now, I'm going to provide you maybe an immediate solution to it, but your long-term solve to fix the fuck that you're in is to serve someone else on the journey. Yeah. And that's been that school ripple effect, seeing the guys that I work with take the concepts, take the things that we're working on and deploy it into the world and come back like, oh my God, I feel so good. I had no idea this was possible. I want to get into this space. How do I do it? It's like, you just do it by being the lighthouse, being the example that this world needs. Exactly. Be, yeah. it, be. be the person 
that then can is having this impact and and you're right it's that uh, 100% man that is one of the things that brings fulfillment and meaning mm. and, and fills the fills, fills the space. so man yeah. feels so good yeah impact yeah that's a Wait, let me can I throw a question to you yeah yeah what are you most excited about right now looking forward to Actually, I'm I'm writing a book, man. Um, and every day I've been just geeking out about it. So that's our that's rad. And again, the same the same kind of just like sharing our story, sharing the journey, sharing the things that worked uh, to take me from like being homeless at 16 mm. to like you know this this genuinely epic life we get to live with my wife and kids and the work we get to do is and sharing the the principles and practices that work. So that's mm. that's one thing's got me stoked. And then our family is doing this epic trip uh this winter we asked our kids like where you want to spend christmas and they were like norway like, no way what like what it's cold and dark there at christmas They're like yeah we want to go to norway so we're gonna spend all of december in norway and then we're like afterwards my daughter she's 15 she's always wanted to like hit a whole bunch of countries really fast and we found train routes through 15 countries. Wow. And so after Christmas, we're just going to backpack and do trains with the whole family through all these countries and then end up landing in Portugal. Wow. So the whole family's awesome. just geeking out about that, like this that big is, adventure on the horizon. Yeah. And that is making memories, man. Yeah. yeah. Making memories. And you got four kids? Seven, man. Se seven kids. Holy yeah. cow. <laughs> The whole, the whole pack, the whole clan yeah. is going. Well, our, our one daughter, our oldest daughter is not, she decided to do a mission trip uh, to okay. the Dominican Republic. And so she's awesome. going out and then the others will go and have, create those memories, man. Gather experience. Wow. Wow. I love wow. that. That is beautiful. Yeah. Tell, can I ask another question? Fire. Okay, cool. So you got this, this whole, the whole clan going out there for the beginning of the year. What is the feeling that you want to feel when the trip is done and the dust settles and you're over the excitement and you're starting to settle. What is the feeling you want the family to feel? Yeah. We, um, so we, we've been traveling extensively for like six, I think 16 years now. And, and we go out with that, that same thing of like, what do we want to have afterwards? Uh -huh. Right. And what's, what's been so spectacular, um, is you, you come away from it with a bond it's it's like what you guys are doing with the project and yeah. and with father son especially with father someone right mm -hmm. you go and you have a big adventure you face a challenge you create a memory mm -hmm. and experience and then you have a bond that's unique to you in that moment that you mm -hmm. get for the rest of your life like mm -hmm. i took my son and daughter we went to mongolia and we rode ponies across mongolia oh, like so cool unforgettable i took my other son and we went and we literally circled all of iceland i took my other son and we he and i went hiked to the base camp of everest Wow. Right? And after that, and for years since, right, it's this bond we have, it's yeah. this connection. And now with the whole family doing this, obviously the, the stimuli, right, from food and castles and experiences and cities mm -hmm. and all this stuff and mm -hmm. the trains and the sites and the people we're going to meet, we're going to have this, this common bond. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll have these memories and experiences that will be ours to cherish forever. Yeah. And and when you walk away just feeling connected, um, well, that we're better. So this is kind of our philosophy. Like we when we go somewhere, we wanna we wanna come away better because of it and we wanna mm. leave the place and the people better because mm. we've been there, right? And so it you step away from, if if you do it right, man, you step away from those experiences and 
and everything and everyone's better because of it. I love that. That's beautiful. That's, yeah, that's, awesome. that's a life lived with intention. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's so rewarding, right? Uh -huh. So rewarding, uh -huh. so fun. I love um, that. I wanted to just ask, cause I, I have a feeling there's going to be some, some wisdom here, man. What are, what are some lessons you've learned from failures or mistakes? Mm. When you started off saying like you, when you had your, your gym in Scottsdale, mm. you know, learn what not to do. And, and maybe you can talk about that or whatever else, but what comes to mind is like mistakes or failures along the way that you're like, man, that was a really valuable lesson learned. Mm -hmm. um, they're not permanent, even though they feel permanent. I think uh, we often will feel a failure coming on, or we maybe are in the middle of a failure or a season of failure. Uh, maybe we make a mistake. Um, you know, this Pam guy, he wants to keep you stuck in that failure loop. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Uh, this is who you are. You're never going to make it. Um, you see, I, I proved it right. Um, that's that toxic thought that keeps yeah. us stuck in the failure and the mistake. And I, as I've gotten a little, little more maturity is realizing it's not permanent. It's not permanent. Uh, the only thing that is permanent is the feeling that I choose to associate with it. Um, the meaning, the meaning, the meaning we give it. Yeah, yeah. The meaning. And so the, you know, the reframing, um, the self-talk, uh, you know, being aware of the triggers and where the trauma comes up and, um, being able to have, you know, healthy dialogue with other people that have been there, yeah. um, and, and closing the loop on that as quickly as possible. You know, the, the longer I spend time in my negative thought patterns, uh, the higher likelihood that I'm going to do something toxic, you know, self-sabotage or lose my temper or want to go to a vice or something like that. And so first identifying it's not permanent, it's not permanent. Um, and then trying to find support, you know, that community, which for the longest time, because I didn't trust men um, because of the abuse and trauma that I went through, I didn't also trust myself. I didn't want to tell anybody about my mistakes and my failures. And so I kept it all private. And so we talked about this white knuckling, just white knuckling it, trying to make it through. And then the failures would mount because no one's meant to walk this path alone. And the frustration, the irritation, the rage, all that grew and continued and would, would continue to grow. And so uh, not permanent, find people to talk to about, and then to realize that the more failures you face directly with, with intention, the faster you actually get to success. Yes. And that's, and I think that's the biggest thing when I think about how much the stories I've built around um, what would happen in the worst case if I was going to step on stage and try to deliver a comedy bit. And if I would have froze, like how horrible it would have been, you know, the embarrassment, all this stuff. And, and like the, the, the worst case. Right. And I've been there one time before um, side story. I, I was a uh, extra in transformers too. And this was uh, God, maybe 15 years ago, this movie came out and my girlfriend at the time, she was uh, she wanted to be an actress. And so she found this casting call. And so she's in, in line. We went out for this casting call. She's in line. Uh, she's in actually doing the casting call. And I was in line holding her purse. Local news channel comes up, sweeps the crowd and stops on me and says, do you know what movie you guys are, um, you know, applying for? And I said, no, I have no idea. But I think it's Snakes on a Plane too. And I said it with just a little bit of humor. And if you saw Snakes on a Plane 1, there should there definitely is not Snakes on a Plane 2. It was one of the worst movies of all time. Snakes on a Plane makes no sense. And uh, I said it with humor and like, oh my God, you're a natural. I thought it was really funny. The casting director saw that, reached out through the news channel, through my girlfriend, found me and said, hey, listen, we've got this part. We'd love for someone local to deliver this. Would you be interested in being a, an extra in a movie? And they're going to have two lines you have to share. I was like, absolutely. And they're like, 
All you got to do is show up on camera the same energy and enthusiasm you had on the uh, the news bit, and you're going to be great. And I'm like, awesome, I can do that. And not telling me what movie or who the co-star was that was going to be in it. And so I show up, and like, you're going to be a ticket agent for uh, Southwest Airlines. They put me in the Southwest Airlines garb, and it says, you have two lines to share. Ma'am, please calm down. And ma'am, have your bags remain in your possession the whole time. That's all you have to say. I'm like, done. I got it. Practice in the mirror. All is good. And like, by the way, uh, you're going to be delivering these lines to Megan Fox. And I was like, fuck. What? Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I was like, awesome. Also, and terrifying. And so wow. they, get, they get me out there and I'm standing at the ticket counter and I'm practicing the line. And then she comes up. She's like 25 feet away. And she's, she's got a little gaggle of people around her and I start panicking. Palms start sweating. Heart starts racing. And I freeze up. They got the lights on me. They're like, all right, can you say the lines? I literally could not speak. No I could way. Not, I couldn't speak. I completely froze, man. Oh, and I, man. And, I, and I was like, in the moment, my entire life flashed before my eyes. And if you ever had a full, like, nervous system shut down, like, palms are just dripping. Heart is going, like, 160 beats per minute. And I just, I could not talk. And so they literally moved me off stage. They've probably seen this a lot in Hollywood. Someone else does a line. I'm standing in the very back of the scene. You can see, like, the edge of my shoe. And um, since then, I had the hardest time talking on camera, talking to people, because I'm like, that feeling kept coming up, that trauma kept coming up. And that's like the worst thing that you could possibly happen if they didn't kill me. That was a failure, you could say, but that failure also taught me that I can overcome my failures or I can listen to my failures. And so stepped on stage a few weeks ago, and that same feeling comes up. I'm behind stage. I'm waiting for them to call my name. I'm heart rates. I got a little... Heart tracker, it's up 140 beats per minute as I'm just oh, standing there. I'm like, oh my God, this is not going to happen again. Wow. Yeah, self-talk and breathing. I went out there and I crushed it. I crushed it. And uh, yeah, so failures, they're not permanent. They're not permanent. and But they are necessary to be able to reach the next level of success because no one's given greatness just on a silver platter. Yep. And, and man, one of the things I really want to reemphasize that you said is the sooner you can get back up, recover from mm. the failure, get out of a toxic negative state where you're more likely to self-sabotage. So yeah, fail faster, but get up. And yep. Get, learn from your mistake and, and hit it again. That's so critical. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I love it. Aaron, so awesome, brother. So, so awesome. Lots of, lots of nuggets here, man. Any, any last thoughts for men uh, before we wrap up? Anything else you want to share that's just been valuable yeah i think i think the biggest thing that i would love to share with anyone listening to this is that uh I, and i think you might agree with this greg you know there's nothing special about me or you the only thing that makes us special is that we're going out there and doing it and so if this conversation inspired them in any way take action stop being passive go do something set a vision for your life so that you can have the kind of memories that you're creating taking the whole family to norway and traveling and doing this amazing stuff like that's what life's about we're yeah. meant to live an abundant, prosperous, yes. beautiful, fulfilled life, but it doesn't happen by accident. So be inspired by this conversation, but then take action. Exactly. Break away from that passivity, man. Mm. So powerful, brother. That's so awesome. How can uh, how can people connect with you, man? And I appreciate that. Uh, website, AaronLhendrino.com. Uh, and uh, I got a podcast as well, which I'd love to have you on as a guest. We can continue this conversation. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. And then Instagram, the Fitbeard. Perfect. Okay. I'll put links to that in the shows, man. Okay, brother. Thank you so much for being here, man. Thanks for sharing yeah. 
thanks for being being willing to be open and share share your story and your journey your failure and the things you're that, that that you're learning that are working for you this is it, it's powerful to hear that and see see the story and see the example yeah. uh, of what you're doing because th then like it just we all just stop and be like look man we can do this hell yeah we can yeah. do this yeah and we need yeah. more people doing it yeah yeah thanks brother thank you i appreciate it man